there. Welcome to episode number 51 of The Playground Project with me, your host, Tanya Pomerantz. I'm super happy that we're here together, that you're here hanging out with me on the playground today. I love that we're here. I'm down in my basement, and you are wherever you are, maybe on a bus, maybe getting ready for work in the morning, maybe just hanging out, enjoying the day. And you're listening to me and to my guest. And I feel this connectedness to you. And I really like that. So I wanted to invite you, as always, to follow me on Instagram at puddlejumpcoaching001. And please do share the episode with a with a friend. I also wanted to welcome the people that are listening to the Playground Project from all over the world. And I love this. This is pretty cool. So I was looking at the listener behavior of the people who, who join me on the Playground, and I see that the majority are from Canada, but we've got some from India, from the U.S., from Barbados, from Finland, from Nepal, Puerto Rico, and Russia. How cool is this? This is the International Playground Project, and I could not be happier. So welcome, 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 everyone. And in the doghouse today, well, here's a bit of a switch. It's a cat. And the cat's name is Monty. And Monty is originally from the Humane Society but he came through PetSmart and their their adoption program that they have there. And the reason that we're highlighting a cat in the doghouse is because this cat in particular belongs to my dear friend and my fabulous mystery guest, Carol Ann Cameron. Welcome, 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 Carol Ann Cameron. I am so happy to have you on the playground with me today. And as the listener knows, I give context to how I know my guests and why they're my guests. And you and I met each other back in the early-ish 2000s when we were working at CVE. And That's right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I think of you and I think of a lot of things, like a lot. One of the most significant memories of you was walking through the door at CVE. And I was telling you how much I wanted to adopt this dog, Lloyd. And it was you who said, just do it. You gave me the impetus the sense of empowerment and all of that to do that. And so that was one moment that changed my life. Uh, And what a lucky dog he was. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. What lucky people we were. I mean, he, he was magical. So we've known each other a very long time. And I was really happy to have you on to the playground because... You've done a lot of pivoting, your fair share of pivoting in your life. And I usually say what's on people's LinkedIn profiles. 
And yours simply says retired. I'm really excited to have this conversation with you. So thank you. You're welcome. My pleasure. So where did you grow up and where did you go to high school? Well, I grew up right in this city. I've never left except for a few little years here and there. I went down east for two years and was the manager of a sporting goods store in Kmart. And then I went out west for two summers to Jasper and was what at that time they called a chambermaid. So picking up after people and did that for two summers. And other than that, I have remained here in Ottawa my whole entire life. And I went to high school at Ridgemont High School on Alta Vista Drive. I was one of the longest students there. No, no, that's not true. Um, (laughs) I was there a significant period of time. (laughs) Let's put it that way. So yeah, I grew up here and I stayed here and my parents were here and my sisters went to other places and I just remained here and this is where I've lived my whole life. Obviously, you love it here. I do. I think the city is wonderful and it gives you all kinds of opportunities to do things musically, sports-wise, just, you know, from an education perspective, from a career perspective. There's so many different avenues you can take here in the city and that we're very diverse and inclusive. And that's always very welcoming when you go into some place. And, you know, uh, being a church person, being a Christian, I find that we've always have our doors open at our church. And it's very interesting to see who walks through them because we are a downtown church. So we get people from all walks of life and all different varieties. So it's always very interesting to meet all these new people. Well, that's very cool. And I got be—I have to be honest with you. I don't know if I knew about the Kmart business. What place, <laughs> where were you? I was in Amherst, Nova Scotia. A friend of mine had uh, had acquired a job while here in Ottawa as the maritime sales rep for what was called Waterloo Music at that stage of the game. It ended up being St. John's Music here in Ottawa. And she became the maritime sales rep. So she was traveling all over the place. And really at that stage of my life, I didn't have anything holding me here. And she said, well, do you want to come? I said, sure, I'll go. I didn't have a job or anything. So I headed off down east with her and moved all our belongings, found a place to live. She was driving all across the Maritimes, selling, renting musical instruments to schools and so on and so forth. I went on a few of those adventures with her. And then I decided I really needed to get a job. So they were building a new Kmart in Amherst and they were looking for staff. So I went in and told them all about my background in sports and all the sports I like to do. And I ended up managing the sporting goods department at the Kmart store. Yeah, I think it was two years. Um, so you came back. Well, obviously, because yep. you're here, but okay. <laughs> yeah, I came back. Yeah. Was there any sense of, while you were there, like, yeah, yeah, I, I like this place. I want to stay? No, no. I, I've always felt that I wanted to be here. I, there was just something that at this, well, my parents too. I mean, that was very important. Yeah. But, you know, all my friends are here. My school buddies are here. You know, all the kinds of things that I like are here. My church is here, all that kind of stuff. So it was just always something that that rope reached to different places, but it always pulled me back, basically. Nice. I like that analogy. Okay. So the next question is again, I'm going to, I'm really looking forward to this answer. Did you know what you wanted to do after high school? Oh, yes, I certainly did. But uh, so 
in high school, I was not academically inclined, had a very hard time and found out, you know, not until I was in grade 10, been through public school, failed a couple of times, found out in grade 10 that I had a learning disability in which I was, you know, I just thought I, you know, the teachers always thought I wasn't paying attention or, you know, was distracted or whatever the case may be. But anyway, that being said, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a professional athlete. That's mm-hmm. what I wanted to do. I wanted to play volleyball professionally. Now, that's obviously <laughs> a very big wish and it was never going to happen. But then I thought about music too, because music and sports were really the two things that got me through high school. I became mentors for younger kids that were coming through and playing sports and doing music and so on and so forth, got involved in all of those things in high school, but then was informed by the powers that be that without maintaining a 60% average, which sounds really low to most people, but for me, that was high. um, Mm -hmm. I would not be able to continue to do the sports and music. That was the way they treated things in those days. Um, And that was what was getting you through. Absolutely. Those are the only two things that had me anchored to school. Otherwise, I probably would have left and, you know, probably quit high school just from an academic perspective. So I finally found some subjects that interested me and, you know, got higher marks. I always got very high marks in music and that and phys ed. So those kind of pulled my average up a little bit. But then the mm-hmm. things that I did very badly in pulled my average down again. So I had to work very diff- hard. And then I ended up having to make up credits when high school was made up of credits. Um, I had to make up all those credits at the end. So that's why I ended up there longer than I probably should have been. And all my friends had graduated by the time I graduated. So (laughs) got kind of lonely for a while. Well, tell me please about all of the different sports that you do. My primary sport was always volleyball. I got into that quite significantly. Actually from public school, we've had something sort of like volleyball. It wasn't really volleyball. It was more like throw ball. (laughs) You kind of caught the ball and then threw it back over the net. But the skill set was not at that stage in public school. You really wouldn't acquire the skill set that, you know, you would get in high school. So that was my primary sport. Uh, I played basketball. I played field hockey, which I hated every moment of. That was before the days when girls were allowed to play soccer. Uh, There was no no soccer for girls. It was steel hockey. We wore a little skirt and used one-sided sticks and all kinds of stuff. I didn't like that at all. Would you have wanted to be a soccer player? I would like to try playing soccer. I don't think I could do it now because I don't know why I have the lung capacity to run around like that <laughs> mm. for lengthy periods of time. I could have seen you doing that. You would have been. Yeah, I think it would have been fun. I, I was in on track and field, but I didn't do any of the running and jumping events. I did all the throwing events because, you know, I'm a bigger, stronger girl. And uh, so I did shot put and discus and javelin. Those were the three throwing events that I got involved in, in high school with the sports. Yeah. And then I played a little bit of hockey, not in high school, because again, girls didn't play hockey. Mm. And um, when I came out of school, I got involved in some just recreational hockey and used to play down at the rink by my parents' house. Some, you know, a bunch of us used to get together and play down there. So all girls? Yep. Yep. All the girls that I hung out with in high school who I'm still friends, a lot of them I'm still friends with. So So there you go. You're there, you're at Ridgemont, you're all your people are graduated, but you're you're still there and feeling lonely. And now it's your time. Now it's your time to graduate. What was going through your mind? <laughs> get me the heck out of here. <laughs> that was basically it. 
I didn't have a direction. I didn't know what I was going to do. I just was happy that I had a high school diploma, mm. uh, that I made it through that. Um, didn't really, didn't really know where I was heading. I ended up working in a, it was called a delicatessen. I don't know if you know what that is, but it's a, are you asking me if I, if I know what a delicatessen <laughs> is? Well, I've mentioned that word to many people and nobody knows what it means. So mm. the store where you buy meat, well, um, yeah, a deli. Yeah. A deli. They don't know the word delicatessen. They know deli. Um, you know, I didn't like that at all. My, my older sister was working there and I believe I got the job because she was there. So didn't enjoy that at all. But what deli was uh, it? was at Salaro Shopping Center and it was called Bittner's. That sounds familiar to me. Yeah. Okay. But it hasn't been around for a long time. Oh, gosh, no. Gosh, no. Okay. Probably not since the 70s, I would suspect. Maybe the early 80s. So you're working there. You're hating it. But you yep. got it because an older sister, you know, I got to tell you the same thing for me when I was working at Zellers. I only got that job because my two older sisters were working there. So thankfully, I got that. So there yeah. you are, not liking it hating it. Oh, yeah. And then? Then I kind of wandered aimlessly. One of the gentlemen at our church had a bunch of properties that he owned and he was doing some renovations on. So I got involved with him. I started painting and I started I don't know, putting down quarter round and baseboards and, you know, learning some skills that way and, you know, learning how to fix things, which I, I like to do. My math skills are not good, but <laughs> anyway, Doing the work was was a lot of fun. I did enjoy that. I love working. I do love working with my hands and getting involved in stuff like that. And I've continued to do that as as life has gone on, fixing things here and there and building things here and there and so on and so forth. So I did that for a little while. And then my mother was the secretary at one of the local public schools here, and they were looking for a lunchroom aide. So someone to go into lunch hour and help the kids in the lunchroom or try and keep some control and you know, what's going, goes on in the lunchroom. So I took on that for a couple of hours a day and kind of liked that. It was just kind of fun interacting with the kids. And, you know, there was, there was a lot of discipline that disciplining problems that went on, but it, you know, I wasn't averse to taking control of some things and trying to make them work and trying different ideas with kids and so on and so forth. So yeah, I kind of enjoyed that, but it was very short. I mean, it was only a couple hours a day. So I needed something a little more than that. But while I was there, there was an opening in what was the behavioral class in the school. And they were looking for a, what's called a teacher's aide, or I guess they're EAs now, educational assistants now. So I, I was a contract for, a, I think it was a maternity leave, actually. And so I went in and interviewed with them and started working in this classroom. And that gave me a really good insight into a lot of different types of learning disabilities and how kids tried to cope and how they couldn't cope with certain things. And being the person that I was during school and trying to figure out how to make things work academically, it was really good for me to see that and also know that I could help these guys. And with the behavior issues, there was some major stuff there. So you had to learn some new skills there to cope with that kind of thing. But, you know, just knowing that I could understand, I could empathize with them mm -hmm. um, and know what they're going through when their frustrations mounted in trying to do something was made things a lot easier for them. And it really gave me some purpose. I ended up working for the school board for 11 years after that. Just, I went back to school, actually, let me, went back to school 
<laughs> in my 30s and uh, took my developmental service worker diploma and worked in this went back and worked in the school board after that too that was a real fight and thanks to my best friend helping me figure out what studying actually looked like and trying to learn things without getting frustrated and just throwing my hands in the air and saying I forget it I made it through and I graduated with honors so that was big faith for me yeah that was a big thing for me. It was a battle. It wasn't easy. But my friend Elaine, she was she was an academic and she knew how to study and taught me all kinds of tricks that I wish I had known before, you know. So and she's helped a lot of kids over the years too, because she ended up teaching for twenty some years and uh mostly immigrant children. So, you know, all the skills that she was able to help me with, she was able to help these kids with too. So yeah, so I ended up doing that. And then after I came out of uh, doing my DSW, I started, I wanted to looked around and I thought, what if there's something outside of the school? Because the last job I had with the school board was working at Clifford Bowie School mm-hmm. uh, and we had a, an integration program. So we were taking quite significantly developmentally delayed individuals into the community to give them some work experience. And I really enjoyed that. That just was, you know, the success to watch the successes and teach them how to use the bus and have them succeed in their jobs and, and, uh, you know, that kind of thing. And I thought, what else is out there that I could do that kind of stuff? And that's when I came across March of Dimes. And so that's where, how I kind of transitioned from the school to going back to school and then getting into March of Dimes. And then I stayed with March of Dimes for a little bit, well, for seven years. And then I went to CVE. For a good period of time. And then I went back to March of Dimes. Mm-hmm. And I've always worked in the employment services area from that point on. That's where we connected. And, you know, that sort of that going into that classroom was, I guess, the pivotal point, so to speak, <laughs> of mm-hmm. the rest of my career, because I had no plans of doing what I've done over the years, none whatsoever. I've spent 26 years helping people with disabilities, but that was not in my sight in any way, shape or form when I graduated from high school. Hmm. So it was a turning point, definitely. Well, so many questions that I have and and that I'm always interested in hearing what your answer is going to be. What are you most proud of throughout your career or in your life? I think from a career perspective, it's just knowing that I can still go to certain places, certain places of employment and find clients that I placed in these workplaces. And some of them have been there, you know, 20 years, 15 years. I have a client who's working at Farm Boy who's been there for, good heavens, must be 15 years. And running into them working in the community and knowing that I had a hand in that makes me very proud. And right now I'm actually doing some job coaching of a young lady in a position and she's graduated out of school, but her parents wanted her to do some more community work. So they called, they called me and asked me if I would help them. And I absolutely, and I have to say I'm only doing one day a week, but I'm really, really enjoying it. Well, could you tell the listener, please, what job coaching is? Sure. So when someone is interested in a certain area of work, just like you and I, we all need some kind of mentor to help us get through it, somebody to teach us how to do the tasks or show us how to do things or whatever. So job coaching is when someone, let's say someone gets a job at uh, Farm Boy, for instance, and they're going to work on the cash and they need some extra assistance. There's not always anybody in the store that has the time to leave their job to show someone else how to do a new job. 
Mm-hmm. And a lot of these folks can't learn in the normal way of learning. So what we do is as, as job coaches, we go in and we work side by side with them, assisting them and learning the tasks of the job, maybe making some accommodation for them so that they, maybe there's a t- one of the tasks that there's no way they would ever be able to do, making some accommodation for that. So working with the employer and the client and yourself to make the job go smoothly as possible and to know that there's going to be success at the end of it. And sometimes there isn't. Sometimes it's not a good match. Sometimes people think they want to do things and they don't really, once they get into the job, they don't really want to do it. They don't really like it. So sometimes it's not a match. Sometimes you have to pull it out and start over again, pull them out and start over again. But, you know, it's it's seeing those little steps that they take to becoming more and more independent that, you know, I think that's made me very proud to see those kind of things. Yeah, I can very much appreciate that. And you must know how to do a lot of things. <laughs> yes, yes. I've always said that, you know, I, I can I can wash dishes in a restaurant better than anybody I ever know. You know, I can organize things in a in a store very well. I can work behind the counter in certain places and learn all the ins and outs of businesses. I can work in food prep, all kinds of stuff like that. And yeah, there's all kinds of jobs that I've done over the years that some of them not so glorious. I worked in a recycle plant at one point, training a client who really wanted to be involved in recycling, but it wasn't the glorified job that they thought it was. It was just a lot of smelly cans and bottles and all the stuff that goes in your recycle that you don't rinse out, you know, that kind of Mm -hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. Wasn't very glorious. But you can also uh, put together a mean barbecue. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's what uh, that's what you were up to when we were working together at the March of Dimes at one point. Yeah. Well, I'm a huge fan of yours. You know that. You know that. Just your ability to to be the the logical, hands-on kind of person and I have come to you over the years with the most ridiculous of problems. And <laughs> you've always been there to, to help me out. And I appreciate that and appreciate you very much. What Feelings was- mutual. I mean, I always, oh. I, get, I always get so much uh, joy out of hearing how much joy you get out of things. <laughs> when, I'm kind of, when I'm kind of bah humbugging this, that, and the other thing, you have always have something joyful that you're, you're into or you know, experienced or a person that you've met or someone you've spoken to, it's always very uplifting to hear all the, the joy that comes from you on when not when I'm not necessarily that joyful. <laughs> well, that's very sweet. Can I share a little piece of joy that I experienced today, please? Sure. Okay. So I had to go to the Rapid Access Low Back Pain Clinic guy on Canatech Road. And he was really good and yay. And so I thought I was going to take the time and also go and do some blood tests, get some blood tests done. And so I said to the ladies at the front, I said, hey, is there a place that I can do a blood test around here? Because you're all, you know, you're thinking that it's in one of these little strip malls. They might know something. And sure enough, yeah, there's a life lab just right at the the corner. So I walk 20 feet. I don't even know. I don't know. Math isn't my great thing either. But let's say not bar. And I go in. There's no one there, Carol Ann. No one. Like, there's no one waiting in line. There's oh. no one sitting there. I was, I'm like, what's going on? So I just went in immediately. The phlebotomist was unbelievably good. Shout out to her. She was awesome. And she, she only said, had to poke you once. 
only once and it was so delicate and and it was like a, a quiet little poke you know and it was just fabulous and i said what's going on and i said why why is there no one here and she said they're closing at 1 uh for a meeting and i hate meetings i think i i, I think you know that so i said well i'm sorry you have to go to a meeting but i hope it's a good one and i was kept thinking to myself how lucky am I? Because one o'clock was fast approaching. So I got in, I've never had that opportunity. Just go boom, boom, boom. It was that, that was joy for me. Yeah, for sure. I would be joy, jumping for joy for that too. Yeah. So sitting there in a room with a hundred other people waiting to be poked. Speaking of joy, what brings you joy? Well, um, my kitty cat brings me a lot of joy. Of course. Uh, how about we talk about Monty for a second, please? <laughs> Monty is my tabby. He's now <laughs> nine years old. He's nine years old now. Oh, Monty is sweetheart. Getting old. Yes. He's enjoying the fact that I'm home and he has become more of a lap cat than he ever has been in the past. So I think he just thinks, oh, she is going to stick around. So maybe I can get to know her better. I don't know. Oh, stop uh, it after <laughs> nine years. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, cats, they're. They're, they live, they live in their own world, you know, most of them. Yeah. If they like you, they like you. If they don't want to play with you, they don't. And, you know, yeah. different with dogs. Dogs are, are there for you, basically. Yeah. So, yeah, Monty's, Monty's a great joy in my life. And, uh, you know, I just treasure my friends. They, they bring me joy. My church, mm-hmm. you know, that brings me joy. Just being outside, doing stuff. I love mm-hmm. being outside. I love, you know, I love all the seasons that we have. There's not one that I don't like, you know? Hmm. Yeah, just, and I love the cottage. My family has a cottage. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love being up there and getting out on the water and the kayak and sitting in the sun and having a nice drink on the dock. And if it's raining, sitting inside, reading a book, all those kind of stuff. Just, you know, the regular life stuff, I guess. That, that's, that, that's that, those are the things that bring you joy. You don't have to look too far for them. No, and but you yeah. didn't mention music. Oh, yes, well... Music and sports are the two big joys, really. There's a a song by John Miles. And the first line of this song is, music was my first love and it'll be my last. To live without my music, forget how it goes, but anyway, music is my first love and it'll be my last. Music of the future and music of the past. To live without my music is impossible to do. Because in this world of sorrow, my music pulls me through. And that's the first line of his song. And then it breaks into some ruckus rock and roll. This is very quiet. The whole beginning is very, very quiet, very melodic. Very, It's just piano and him singing this line. And then it starts going into heavy guitar and drums and metal. And it's crazy the way this song goes. But that one line has always stuck with me and certainly means a lot for sure. Yeah. So my last question for you. Well, there's so many I have, but do you have a favorite motivational quote or word that words that you live? As I said earlier, I didn't really have a path. There was no marked path for me, but there, I got a fridge magnet a long time ago and I have no idea where it came from or who gave it to me, but the, it's from, um, I think it was the gentleman's name was Ralph Emerson. Mm-hmm. I wrote it down because I didn't think I was going to remember it to say it off by heart. Do not go where the path may lead. And in my case, I didn't really have a path, so I didn't know where I was going. But go instead where there is no path and leave a trail. So I hope that I've made a path 
I, I have made a path for myself throughout the years. And I hope that that path has left a trail and has helped others. It certainly has helped me myself to grow, to be a better person. But I also hope that all the people that I've worked with or uh, worked for or did job coaching for or helped them find jobs, that it's it's helped them because it's certainly given me a lot of self-growth doing that kind of work. Yeah. Trust me, you have definitely blazed a trail, my friend. Yeah, you are you are truly a renaissance woman. <laughs> you can do anything and you can do it with aplomb, if that's the right um, descriptive. You do it with grace. You do it with style. You're a fantastic cook. You are a kind, kind-hearted human being. And I love you very much. And thank you for hanging out on the playground with us today. Listen, it was fun. Next time we'll hit the swings. <laughs> it's a deal. Talk to you okay. later. All right. You take care of yourself. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you so much, Carol Ann, for hanging out on the playground with us today. And yes, yes, yes. Next time we'll hit the swings. What what an inspiring conversation, I have to say. My takeaways from this are several. One of them was definitely the idea that because Carol Ann had not been diagnosed with a learning disability until grade 10, she went through all those grades never getting the appropriate intervention and support that she needed. And when she was in high school, she excelled at music and phys ed. She also enjoyed helping other people and being involved in all sorts of different sports and, and whatnot. And as a punishment, the school made her give up all of those things in order to be able to stay in school. And it's this very strange cycle of ineffectiveness, I guess is the word, because those were the things that were keeping her in school. And had she not had those, she would have left. Which makes me think, how many young people leave school because they are not getting the support and the intervention and, and maybe the guidance that they need in order to not just excel, but to stay in school? And then when she finished, like so many other people, she did not know what she was going to do. She was kind of drifting until she found that opportunity to work within the school system. And when she found it, she went back to school. She got the, the documents that she needed because we're living in Canada and documentation is extremely important, certification. And she credits her friend Elaine, a fantastic teacher, for giving her the tools and the resources that she needed to stay in school, to stay at Algonquin. And she said it was not easy. And it isn't easy. Not everybody is an academic. I'm not an academic. And it took me a long time to figure that out. But more importantly, it took both Carol Ann and I a long time to be okay with not being an academic. And Carol Ann has said that she likes the quote, I will go where there is no path and I will leave a trail. I've seen Carol Ann at work. She absolutely will be leaving a trail. 
she has already. If somebody has a child with a disability, Carol Ann is the person to offer the support and the patience and the guidance and whatever it takes to help that child shine, to succeed, to excel. And she is just amazing. And I'm going to stop gushing because I can hear myself gushing all, all the time. She's super smart. She's incredibly compassionate. And her pivots have been many, and they continue. And I am so grateful for her for coming on to the podcast, coming on to the playground, and really sharing her story of what it felt like to be going through school with this learning disability, an undiagnosed learning disability. And she's drawing attention to the need for a change in policy, a change in attitude, and a change in societal discussions. We need to talk. We need to discuss. We need to challenge. We need to accept. And we need to stop othering. Kids with learning disabilities, people with learning disabilities or other forms of disabilities, which the name I really don't like personally, um, it's just different abilities. Everybody's able to do certain things and other things they're not able to do. So I get really excited. I get really passionate about these kinds of things. And I invite you, as always, to follow me on Instagram at PuddleJumpCoaching001. And please do share this episode. Share it with a teacher. Share it with a principal. Share it with your child. If your child has any type of learning disability or learns in a different way. And remember, the Humane Society is a wonderful place from where to adopt a new pet and check out the PetSmart adoption program, which is available at some PetSmarts. And remember to spay and neuter your pet. Please join me again on the playground for next week's episode where we have another very inspiring chat with a fantastic mystery guest. And until then, I invite you to leave your own trail, to be good to yourself, to others, to animals and the environment. And until next week, when we will jump into the future together.